Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Monday, December 23rd, otherwise known as Festivus. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, legal recreational cannabis in Illinois will directly challenge decades of drug testing in many workplaces. And as the January 1st legalization date nears, employers are considering how to handle such testing. I think it's sort of a soul-searching moment that employers need to, to go through. Do I want to ask these questions? Do I feel like my employees want that culture in, in my workplace? St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt explores the changes companies may have to make once recreational marijuana becomes legal in Illinois. First, the headlines. Charter schools in Missouri say they are only getting 80 cents on the dollar compared to traditional districts. They blame a glitch in education funding law. More from St. Louis Public Radio's Ryan Delaney. The Biome Charter School educates 178 St. Louis kids. School CEO Bill Kent says it has to rely on donations for a quarter of its funding. Uh, Without our fundraising, uh, we would not have the robust uh, student support services that we have for such a small school. Charter schools get nearly all their funding from the state rather than from local property taxes that help fund Kansas City and St. Louis's school districts. Charter school leaders say as their enrollment grows in those cities, the state can't keep up to the sum of about $1,100 per student. Charter school advocates want lawmakers to change the funding law so there's more per student money available. I'm Ryan Delaney, St. Louis Public Radio. The campaign behind a ballot initiative to expand Missouri's Medicaid program has four months to gather 172,000 signatures needed to put the issue before voters. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports, several high-profile St. Louis organizations have thrown their support behind the Health Care for Missouri effort. BJC Healthcare, Washington University, and the Missouri Hospital Association have endorsed the ballot initiative. If approved by voters, it would expand the health insurance program to those making up to $18,000 a year. St. Louis Health Director Fred Eccles is among the Missouri public health officials who support the initiative. Eccles says close to one-fourth of city residents live at or below the poverty line and can't afford health insurance. That means they often go into medical debt or bankruptcy when there's an emergency. By expanding Medicaid, we'll address a lot of these issues, not just access to health care, but also um, financial um, well-being for individuals in our community. Campaign officials say they've collected more than 25 percent of the needed signatures to place the issue on the November 2020 ballot. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. The International Institute of St. Louis is launching a program to help immigrants with individualized career advice. Counselors will help evaluate foreign degrees while providing resume writing and interviewing workshops and networking training. Chelsea Hand Sheridan is the nonprofit's Workforce Solutions Director. She says many immigrants have extensive experience or hold degrees but cannot get hired in their field. There's a lot of talent that exists, a lot of taxi drivers and Uber drivers that should also be engineers and doctors, and so we really want to see those folks you know, living to their full potential and helping our region grow. The Institute wants to begin serving immigrants who are interested in the Career Path program next month. If you missed it Friday, St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruzen pulled the plug on airport privatization. She made the announcement on St. Louis on the Air. You can read about that decision on our website, stlpublicradio.org. 
Drug testing has been a mainstay of many workplaces for decades, but legal marijuana in Illinois complicates those practices, and that starts January 1st. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports on what employers are facing ahead of the legalization of recreational cannabis in Illinois. When it comes to marijuana and most jobs, the conversation has traditionally been short. The drug is illegal, and using it isn't allowed, anywhere. But that changes in Illinois, when recreational cannabis becomes legal for adults to use in private next year. Benjamin Wesselschmidt is an employment lawyer with the Sandberg Phoenix Law Firm in St. Louis. He says legal cannabis appears to complicate things for employers because of Illinois' right to privacy in the Workplace Act, which generally says... Employers can't discipline employees for using substances outside of work. So you can't control an employee's out-of-work conduct with respect to legal substances. Wesselschmidt says that provision originally applied to alcohol or nicotine use. State legislators added recreational marijuana to the list this year. Unlike alcohol, Wesselschmidt says testing for marijuana use is not definitive. There's no breathalyzer test as of yet for someone's uh, blood level of, of cannabis. Current drug tests reveal if someone has consumed recently, not when they did. To be clear, this wrinkle doesn't let employees consume as much marijuana as they want. State lawmakers wrote parts of the cannabis law to protect existing workplace drug policies. But many employers and HR representatives feel the new law isn't clear about their responsibilities. I think that there are some guidelines and answers. 100% clarity, I would say no. Ernest White is a human resource officer for the Illinois Center for Autism. He's at a presentation in St. Clair County to get some clarity about the new cannabis law. He says he's concerned about employees who might come to work high again and again. How do we deal with, you know, repeated offenders? And then how do we discipline them properly without falling into a, this is legal and so now I'm going to sue <laughs> because you're violating my, my legal right to utilize this. At the presentation, employers and human resource representatives mingle and eat lunch in a small room, looking for answers to their questions. At the front of the room, Wessel Schmidt explains what changes in the new year. So what will be allowed? Uh, adult recreational possession, uh, that's for individuals 21 years and up. Wessel Schmidt also explains what won't change, like the rules for federal employees and contractors. They and commercial drivers cannot consume recreational marijuana, regardless of state law. But what about the rest of us in Illinois? Generally, the cannabis law goes a long way to help managers retain drug-free workplaces if they want them. Bosses can ban marijuana use at work or when a worker is on call. And nothing in the law specifically limits an employer from disciplining or firing someone who violates their company's drug policy. Businesses can still use drug tests to make those decisions. Wesselschmidt tells The Room the key is being non-discriminatory. Right, if you're subjecting somebody to a drug test on the basis that, I kind of think that guy's using drugs, that's a terrible idea. The law also provides a list of symptoms for supervisors to document if they suspect an employee is high at work. Wesselschmidt says companies need to decide if and how their workplace drug policies will change, and then update their handbooks and tell employees. He says employers will have to consider the message that testing for a legal substance sends. I think it's sort of a soul-searching moment that employers need to, to go through. Do I want to ask these questions? Do I feel like my employees want that culture in, in my workplace? Many employers realize the social stigma around marijuana use has subsided in the past decade. White, with the Center for Autism, says he doesn't want to fire an employee for using cannabis. 
because I know that that's going to start a snowball of things. Other employers see the writing on the wall too, like Tyler Vitali, who owns the wine garden in Belleville. We cannot control what you're going to do off-site, and nor should we be that controlling of our employees if they are choosing to use a legal substance. Not all workplaces will be as lenient. For employees, make sure to check what your company policies are before lighting up on January 1st. In Belleville, I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Holly Edgel edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. As I mentioned off the top, it's December 23rd, which for some means Festivus popularized in the 90s in a Seinfeld episode. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. I think that was in 97 and it still cracks me up. Festivus is a real thing. Basically, it's a response to the commercialization of Christmas. As the story goes, a guy named Dan O'Keefe started Festivus in 1966. His son grew up to become a writer on Seinfeld. I'm Wayne Pratt, and from the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.